Hi, everyone. This is Javier, your host here at the Restore Podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts about the Restore Podcast topics, guests, your favorite episodes, or whatever you may want to let us know. And I am so happy to announce that now you can do that simply by texting us by going to the show notes. There, you will see a link that simply says, send us a text message. Click on it. Don't remove the number there that you will see and simply send us a text. Simple as that. So don't wait. Go to any episode show notes and text us now. Let us know your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you. God bless. Welcome to Restore, a podcast seeking to restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church. And now your host, Javier Diaz. Hi, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to the Restore Podcast, episode 68. I hope and pray that wherever and whatever you may be doing as you are listening to this episode, that it will be a blessing to you and help empower you to restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church. On today's episode, I have my friend and colleague, Pastor Roger Hernandez, back on the podcast. It's always great talking life and ministry with him. In our conversation, he opens up about his personal current journey uh, that I know you will want to hear, and of course, practical ministry suggestions for pastors and churches, and much more. I know this episode is going to be helpful and hopeful to all who listen. I know that it was for me. But before we get into that important conversation, I'm excited to announce that beginning with this episode, we are starting a new segment simply called Restore Podcasts Musical Spotlight. Music is such an instrumental aspect to help restore the church. Now, I fully understand that music is subjective, yet uh, my goal is to highlight various talented musicians, singers that seek to glorify Jesus through their artistic gifts. And to kick off Restore Podcast's first musical spotlight, we have Dr. Richard Hickam, who is the Director for Music and the Arts at Advent Health and the Worship and Music Pastor at Whole Life Church. So right now, here's my conversation with Dr. Richard Hickam about lifelong worship. Richard, welcome back to the Restore Podcast. Thank you for being on. Hey, what a treat. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, my friend. Rich, tell us a little bit about Lifelong Music. Absolutely. So our official name is Lifelong Worship. We do use the names interchangeably, but if you're looking for us on Apple Music or Spotify, you'll find us with Lifelong Worship. We've been the product of Whole Life Church, formerly known as Florida Hospital Church, mm -hmm. for the last probably six years or so. We are a multicultural, multi-generational church, and we're trying to express that through our music. Mm. We want to, of course, glorify God, but we want to speak in relevant ways to his people. We use all kinds of music, and we have all kinds of talent and some hidden gems that we've been polishing up with our new song. 
Awesome. Praise the Lord. I have been uh, super blessed by your music and the music of Lifelong myself. But you guys have, before we talk about the current single, tell us a little bit about the previous album that you've released and an EP that you released. I think it was last year, right? Well, I, I couldn't tell you for sure due to COVID time. You know, yeah. It's all kind of a fog, but I, I think it was, it was last year-ish. That we did, we did do that. So our first album was a first, excuse me, was a full length album, an LP or long playing album mm -hmm. to use the, that old language. So I think we had 10 tracks and we really had everything from bluegrass to reggae to folk to modern CCM, Americana, and we were just kind of dabbling in a lot of the genres that represented who our people were in the church. I think we had folks from 11 different countries that were uh, represented in the band, in the vocals, and we just had a blast learning about the process, going to the studio for a week, and, and everything there was either originally written or it was a hymn tune that we did some kind of arrangement of. Beautiful. The second... What was the name of that album that people can... It was self-titled. Okay. So this is just the Lifelong Worship self-titled first album. The second album was kind of more in partnership. It was an EP with Advent Health. And that was, you know, do some conferences for them. They want some theme music for different things. And so some of that was tied to their events. Some of it was some stuff that, that we had done at the church. And it turned out uh, really well. And it was called Everyday Heroes. Hmm. I, I really like that song. I hope people check it out and listen to it. Obviously, it was uh, for an appropriate time with everything that uh, we went through in 2020 and still are going through. Tell us now about the latest release, the name of the song and the words behind it and the essence of it. Yeah, so this was written by one of our church members who happens to be a physician, Dr. Ron Ryan. He is an extremely gifted gentleman. So our first previous albums we had uh, recorded with an engineer in Nashville that, that I've known since college. We'd played an orchestra together and then he went off into this other career, and he worked with Taylor Swift, got his Grammys, mm. gave an A-list, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we have great chemistry, so I, I really wasn't planning on making any deviations. But my friend Ron was like, well, listen, you know, my cousin, you know, Roger is also a national producer. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, you know, my cousin, right, right. My, my sister's a great singer. You know, I'm yeah. sure you, you've encountered this kind of thing. And so, you know, so at first I was, you know, a little, I maybe not skeptical, I raised an eyebrow, but then I, of course I started checking out, you know, oh, okay, who is this guy? And come to find out, you know, he, of course, he'd done stuff for Point of Grace. He had been a band leader for just mm -hmm. like, just the, all kinds of, you know, legit experience. Stuff. Yeah. And I listened to his music and it, it was incredible, mm. but it was different. You know, my other guy would, we would say kind of more mainstream CCM, Nashville, you know, with country influence, whereas Roger has a tremendous gospel influence. Mm. That's that's his thing. And so you hear hear that clearly in the song. So that's kind of the the feel or the vibe. But the lyrics um was based on a sermon series that I that I had been asked to do, which was about creativity. And I in turn asked Ron to write a song about mm. it. And the text was Psalm 98. And so it starts, of course, like Psalm 96 and several others with that, the great line, 
sing a new song to the Lord, Mm. which is what the title ended up being. But particularly Psalm 98, what I really love about it is it starts making these comparisons for the whole world to sing for joy. And it starts talking about, you know, let the sea and everything praise, let the rivers clap their hands. And so there's this really beautiful word picture that's painted about God in the entire world. And so putting that to music was became really, really a a cool thing. Mm. Well, it is. I was, when I first listened to it, when you let us know that you were releasing it and you did, I listened to it and I was totally blessed by it. It was extremely worshipful song. And so an amazing job done all the way around. With that said, what do you ultimately hope to, that the response will be of not only the current release, but just the music of Lifelong overall? So a couple things. Let me tell you about the lead singer, first of all, mm-hmm. and, and tie this to your question. Sure. So her name's Natriki Lusant, and Natriki is a senior at Oakwood University. We've been working with Natriki since she was in high school. So there's the part of a church ministry about growing mm. discipleship. Yeah. So this is our way, you know, there's like the performing, performing, the serving in church and, you know, being in the choir and doing things. But then there's the, there's another aspect about this kind of training people for careers and when it can tie together. So she's gone on to to be, she's part of the, the Aeolians, the select group. Now, you know, they won like choir, this crazy title, like choir of the world, like uh, two years ago. Wow. You know, so it's an incredible group. And so to have her as part of a, a local church serving in ministry, I'm mm. doing like that. So that's a piece of it. So yeah. so all these, the team members that's involved, I, I think of it, A, as a just discipleship within the church. Beautiful. And then B, it's, you know, kind of tied to what you said. I hope that there are church members that are engaged in the ordinary worship of the church. So like I said, I didn't just create this, I'm going to do an album and I'm just going to write some great songs. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing too. But this was written for a sermon Mm. to an an ordinary practice of the liturgy, as we would say, of what we would be doing on a Sabbath. And so I love that aspect of it as well. And then it comes, so I hope the church members, those that were present, those that then can, can connect with it online now later in this setting. And then we come to that kind of third thing. The, the next circle, somebody yeah. who uh, hears something like this, right. they listen to it and they say, well, that really connects with me. I, I, I've been thinking about God or, or I haven't thought about God in that and, and how in his creation lately. And, and so I just hope the kind of the concentric circles, mm-hmm. the, the, the immediate, those that were involved, those that heard, and then where, where can the gospel message be used in this musical sense moving out? Well, that's beautiful. I, I love the intentionality, not only that you try to move forward with the people that collaborate with you, like no tricky, but also the intentionality with the desired response from those in the circle as well. So really appreciate that. What's next for Lifelong Music? That's a great question. Um, we just had this discussion, boy, it was this last Sabbath. A lot of, mostly what we've done has been based around this kind of what we would say special music or just one-off songs. But what we've decided we want to do next is to write songs for the church to sing. Mm. So we're going to gather our songwriters and we're going to write singable songs for our church to use. And if it can move on and there are other churches to say, oh man, this is 
this is singable. This is um, theology that resonates with, you know, with our denomination and, and blah, blah, blah. Then that's great as well. So we are going to write songs to sing in, in, in worship. Awesome. Richard, you have been a blessing to the church, not only Whole Life Church, but the church at large. I know you've been a blessing here of being part of Advent Health as well and the ministry that occurs here locally. But for those that may want to contact you, for you to bless them and help them or collaborate, how can they get a hold of you? Sure. So Lifelong Worship, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can send a message there. I'm also on social media. Richard Hickam, you can find me. You can contact me through Whole Life Church. Just ring up the church there. And it's just my first name, Richard at wholelife.church. Shoot me an email. Awesome. Richard, thank you so much. May God continue to bless you and the ministry of Lifelong Music. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard, for taking the time to do this. And thank you to Lifelong Worship Group as a whole for using your musical gifts for the glory of God and blessing us. Make sure to check out uh, their music. In the links are in the show notes. Of course, you can find it on Apple Music and Spotify as well. With that said, now here's my conversation with Pastor Roger Hernandez. I want to welcome back my colleague and friend and running partner, Pastor Roger Hernandez. Roger, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Javier. It's a great to see you in a different uh, road than just running one step ahead of me on the hot Florida sun. Hey, man, I know you're going to be in town here coming soon while we're recording. So uh, hopefully we'll get back out there in the beautiful hot sun and humidity of Central Florida. Yeah, it's it's great running with you. Uh, different than some other ministerial directors who would remain nameless, uh, i.e. Rick Grieve, I... <laughs> You actually run and we stay together as we run and talk versus like running really, really far ahead of me and making me feel even worse about my running time. <laughs> well, our colleague and friend, Rick, since we're talking about him, I'm going to have to forward this to him once we release it. We still love him. Probably half of the people listening are going, who are they talking about? But Roger, it's good to have you back. And it's always great to be hanging out and running and doing part of what I love and what you love and encouraging others to do the same. But I'm glad to have you back, not to, to talk about running, even though I'd love to, but to talk about ministry. Man, it's been about four years since the last time you were on the podcast, last time you were on with Richie Halverson talking about evangelism. And so it's good to have you back to kind of talk more about evangelism, but in a very different world, right? Than when obviously you were last on in 2017. But before we get into that, Roger, catch us up a bit. Tell us... Uh, how you're doing, how your life is going right now in the midst of everything that's happened over the last year and a half, your, how your family is. I know that um, obviously uh, we're a little biased, but we're really happy to have one of your family members as part of the Florida Conference team. I'll let you speak more on that here. So yes, tell us. I am in the same role that I was four years ago, Ministerial Director of the Southern Union. I worked there along with my wife, uh, my daughter, has since then graduated from seminary and working as a pastor in the Florida Conference, my son. Amen. When we recorded that episode, he was about to go into the Army. He is right. still in the Army in Germany. Mm. And my two uh, foster daughters, uh, adopted daughters, they still live in the Northwest. But it's been 
um, a great time. I, I really enjoy what I do because I get to uh, connect with pastors. I have a passion to see pastors have healthy lives and healthy ministries and healthy relationships. And I get to do evangelism. I get to introduce people uh, to the best friend, Jesus. So that's uh, what my life has gone. One of the major things that I'm really happy about, and we'll talk about that a little bit later also, is uh, my YouTube channel. Because I've gotten to connect with a whole different segment of the population that I was not doing that four years ago. And that's been life-changing for me. Yeah. I will definitely get into that, but everybody doing well, everybody doing healthy. So far, so good. Uh, we've had, uh, family members, uh, come down with COVID. Uh, my uncle, uh, sadly passed away. He is a retired pastor, just retired right. and was looking forward to doing lots of things in retirement, but that virus is it's like Russian roulette, you know, everybody in the house got it and he was mm -hmm. the only one who got Affected to the point that that uh, he he died, but we honor his memory, and we're thankful to God that we're going to see him again, and that's the blessed hope that we hold on to. Amen. You know, when your uncle, uh, which was one of my pastors many many years ago, and obviously a pastor that uh, we knew well, we, my wife and I, uh, since we were members of his church uh, back in the day in Miami, and I touched base with you, and it was obviously a loss for you and your family, but a loss for Florida Conference, a loss for everybody. He was an incredible man, and I remember telling you, maybe you can speak into this a little bit because it really has to do, with, you know, ministry. But I I don't remember much of the sermons that he preached, but I would always remember that he was always there visiting and with the people. Is that is that fair to say? Yes. And one thing that I like to say is that pastoral presence, mm -hmm. the ministry of presence will help people for, forgive a million faux pas in the pulpit. Yeah. Uh, if you are in people's lives, even if you're not, he, he wasn't a terrible preacher. Right. Right. But, but I, I don't remember like seeing, They'll be like, oh man, being amazed after I, I finished listening to a message from him. But that guy, somebody went out and he was uh, knocking at the door. What's going on? Mm. What's going on? I mean, he was with the people. He would give him the shirt off his back, literally help people, will help people find jobs. Had countless people stay over at his house when they first came from Cuba or, you know, different places in, in Latin America. And it was just, he was just present. He he was, people were able to get a hold of him. Uh, he was yeah, in their lives, and that that was that was fantastic. I I really loved the the way that my uncle did ministry. He was he was a he, he was a model to me. He was, and 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 he was he was a model to to many and to myself, and, and he impacted my life twenty plus years ago. Uh, I won't get into the whole story, but I was in a whole different place. And I was a member of another church in Miami at that time. But the pastor that came to see me with was Pastor Demetrio Hernandez. Even though he wasn't uh. um, my, you know, quote, pastor technically at that time. But because of our ties and because we, you know, my family and so on also knew him, he was at the door. Just like you said, he didn't just call. And again, this was back in the day before smartphones and all that. But he came to the house, knocked on my door. Um, and just 
just began talking to me and also praying with me. So I'll never forget that. And I can tell more stories about him and so can you, but uh, thank you for sharing that. And he is highly missed. But at the same time, as you said, we also will continue the legacy that he left. And you've definitely done that in your life, in your ministry, because I know you're also there in your own way. You know, I've I've been under different union ministerials, but hey, I'm a little biased. You're uh, coming full circle here. You're the only one that's called me to say, hey, let's go running. So again, I'm really appreciative about that. And you guys can't see it, obviously, but he's smiling and laughing. Um, with that said, Roger, you're, as you said, you've been blessed to, to visit not only churches all over the Southern Union here, right? Um, all the different states here in the South, uh, not just here in Florida, of course, but also in North America, you get asked to speak on all kinds of different places. So Let's jump right into the essence of ministry in the world that we live in today and tell us what are some of the key dynamics, both positive and perhaps concerning, that you have observed and conversed about with local church elders and leaders and pastors uh, that you can talk to us about, and again, in the world that we live in today? Well, the first thing I'll say, and I, and I say this often when I'm making presentations, is that there's a difference in pastoral leadership. As they approach the pandemic, uh, some churches and pastors, sometimes just a church, sometimes just a pastor, sometimes both, approach this pandemic as either an interruption or a disruption. And when you approach it as an interruption, uh, you it's just a matter of time until everything comes back to normal. What I am seeing right now a year and a half after we started. And I remember when we closed the churches back in March of 2020, a lot of churches, including mine, the one that I attend, said, "It's gonna, we're going to be off for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be off for two weeks. And it's been a year and a half. Uh, so if you saw this as an interruption, you said to yourself, well, you know, we're just going to hunker down. Uh, hopefully people don't stop giving and then we're going to come on the other side and continue to do things just like every other pandemic, you know, the, the, the avian flu and all the SARS, all the other stuff that people have gone through has been sort of like a limited, very, um, uh, intense, but short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But if you saw it as a, as a disruption, you thought to yourself, well, I don't think things are going to be the same again. And I have to adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see churches operating right now. At best case scenario, uh, Javier, best case scenario, I'm seeing, except for exceptions, mm-hmm. best case scenario, 60 to 70% of churches that have opened, mm-hmm. are their attendance is back to 60 to 70%. There are some exceptions, but most churches that have reopened have 60 to 70%. That's about 30% of your members who don't come in person. Mm-hmm. Barna said that 20% of your regular attendees are not coming back. Uh, so we we have probably 10% more because we are always, we're having this because we have to be number one, right? We have, <laughs> we have, to, we have to win. Uh, so that that's one thing. So how do you, how do you deal with the fact that not everybody's in the building? How do you deal with the desire 
these are the real challenges. You want, you asked me to talk about challenges, the desire for churches to go back to what it was mm. is that, yeah, well, I, I've talked to pastors who stopped streaming their services once they were back in the building. Wow. Yeah. We're in the building. If you want to, if you want to come, come to the building, we're open. Mm. I'm not, we're, we're not going to spend more time streaming anymore. Mm. That's a challenge. It, it was interesting to see churches compress the worship service to the essentials and now expand to the 45 minutes of announcement and all the huge preliminaries back when they're back in the building for them. Even the ones who are streaming, many of them, uh, streaming is, I compare it to like a, uh, like a traffic camera who's just mm. there, yeah. but nobody's interacting with it. Mm. Nobody's looking at the traffic camera and saying, Hey, and no, the, uh, the traffic cam, there's nobody on the other side communicating with the people in the street. It's just a camera. So you can see it, but nobody's interacting with you on the, on the chat. Nobody's asking questions. Nobody's answering questions. So, so those, those, those are some challenges. So how do we deal with, um, lower attendance? Mm -hmm. One interesting thing is that we have lower attendance and higher giving. Yeah. Which is weird because these, these three things usually go together, right? The buildings, uh, the budgets and the butts and the seats. It's the three B's. Right. Right. But now we have people not coming to the building, but giving is higher. Some conferences have had in 2021, 15% increase in, in giving. 10% increase in giving, the low, the low ones is 10%. So how do you reconcile that, that people are still giving, but, but they're not in the building. People want to go back to the same thing they did pre pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, people want to forget all the streaming stuff. They, they just have to choose and pick and choose because they don't have, which is the third challenge. They don't have enough manpower or mm -hmm. woman power. To, to fill all the positions. Some of the people who were very, who were leaders now are saying, uh, you know, I like my Sabbath where I can uh, go to worship in the morning and then go for a hike. Uh, and I don't have to get all dressed up and drive 45 minutes. Most of our Adventist churches are not neighborhood churches. They're drive-in churches. Right. So it takes quite a bit of time for you to get dressed and drive it to church and then worship and then go back. Uh, so it, it, it's a brave new world, and I, I am interested in looking at best practices in churches that are thriving even in this new normal. And mm -hmm. the fourth one, the last one, is that there are some churches. We started closing churches in fe in late February. Some churches started closing late February, beginning of March of 2020. We are recording this episode in August. We still have churches who have not reopened yeah. in, in the building. The building has not reopened. They've still, still had, uh, you know, their, their worship service online and there won't be reopening with this Delta surge until probably beginning of the year. So that's close to two years where people have not been in the building. And, and that comes with interesting challenges. It's, it's easy to go back to what you were or what you had where you've gone for three months or six months, but when it's two years, 
Yeah. That's going to be interesting to see who comes back from those churches who have not reopened. Wow. Wow. That's a lot there. And I appreciate you mentioning that and observing and sharing with us. And, you know, I've had this uh, saying that I've, I've stated several times, and I know I've mentioned it here in previous episodes, but it's, I've been saying, may we simply not return to what was, but to what can be, right? Because uh-huh. at some and so at some level, we will return to what was. And in other words, um, in-person services, that's something that I think I, and I believe is, is always going to be essential. Um, it may look different, but it's always going to be essential. But may we not simply return to that, but to what can be. What is, what is God wanting us to do? And how can we leverage the world that we live in today to further the mission of God, right? So maybe not return to just simply what was. Because honestly, and I, you and I have talked about this personally, for a lot of churches, and we're generalizing here, uh, what was wasn't really working for them mission. Right. Can you speak more into that? Yeah, I, I find it odd that what was wasn't working, but that's what we want to go back to. Mm. And, and one of my favorite sayings, especially when I talk about leadership in Moses, is that people will often choose the dysfunction they know rather than the innovation they don't. Mm. And they, they are, we think nostalgia is a church growth strategy and we are, it, the power of what we've done is incredibly addicting. Mm. And especially if what we've done used to, at some point in the distant past, sometimes work, mm-hmm. but it's what we know. Yeah. This is what we have to have annou- announcements. We have to have them. What do you mean we don't? <laughs> we have to have them. This is what we do. Yeah. We have to start at 11. We have to. Through, sing three songs in the beginning. We have to. And by the way, uh, just in case somebody's listening to us and say, yeah, those traditional churches, those are the ones that have issues. Let me tell you something. This is not a traditional church problem. This is yeah. a church problem. Mm. People sometimes are more in love with smoke machines and lights than they are with the lost. Mm. And, and I, I, well, that's just what we do here. Yeah. That's just what we do. We're not going to change. Uh, can we sing a hymn once in a while? Nope. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because we just don't. It just symbolizes a past that we want to leave behind. Listen, dude, I want to do anything I can to reach the people who are far from Christ. Yeah. And and that means getting us outside of, of my my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And and we we want we're so enamored with stuff that wasn't working. I don't get it. Uh, Javier, I yeah. don't get it. I wish maybe it's my Cubanness. I maybe it's because my. <laughs> I wish I had a higher IQ. I don't get the infatuation and and the interest in maintaining something that many times was not working. Right, right. When you have twenty percent giving eighty percent of the other money, when you have twenty percent doing eighty percent of the work, when you have twenty percent being involved and eighty percent watching. Why would you want to go back to that? Mm. Why why not forge a, a brave new world, a brave new path? You have the chance, Pastor. You have the chance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Well, this is, yeah, definitely this is the time and, and, and the, the essence of the world that we live in today to leverage it, right? People are, I, I would venture to say of my experience just here in Florida, traveling to different churches and talking to uh, pastors, of course, and leaders, local church leaders, many of them are, are, are open. And like you said, there are churches that are seeking to do to not simply go back to what was, but to what can be. And they're at least trying different, you know, aspects in their local context to see what best can work in today's world to move and fulfill the mission that God has given us. So, so let's talk about that. So here we are, Pastor Roger Hernandez. You are now hired as a local church pastor and you fill in the conference, okay? I'll be biased. Let's say Florida conference, but you can fill in whatever conference as you're listening. So here, uh, Pastor Roger Hernandez is coming and he's going to be the new local church pastor. So it, it, if that was the case, as a pastor during this season that we're in, how would you, with everything you just said, how would you go about reestablishing the vision, the mission, um, re-empowering leadership? We talked about some people losing commitment, people losing leaders locally, and then planning for evangelism. And when I say evangelism, I mean public evangelism, outreach evangelism, all of the above, right? So walk us through how you would help that local church as you're coming in to, to reestablish the vision, the mission, um, the leadership, and evangelism. And, and to be fair, Roger, again, you and I have talked you know, multiple times. I know you're actually helping pastors do this. I do know that you're mentoring and helping a lot of pastors at this very moment, but, but let's go with the mind frame that you are the pastor coming in. Okay. Um, that's a, that's a very, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> a, question. a huge question. Let, let me tell you a story <laughs> to begin. Okay. Uh, I have a pastor friend who during the pandemic, because they couldn't, they could not meet in the building. They started meeting outside, mm-hmm. uh, in the parking lot and they had, they had a band with drums, mm-hmm. but the church never had drums, but nobody said anything. Everybody worshiped. Yeah. Right. And you know, there were, nobody was playing crazy. It was just, they had percussion now. Right. And finally the churches are opening, are reopening the building, right? Mm-hmm. Not the church, but the building is reopening. Right. And they had this long conversation because like, we can't, bring the drums in. Oh boy. Like they, they have had zero issues with the drums during worship outside. Mm. It's just bringing them in. Mm. Right. So th- this is just an example of a leadership question. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes, if this might sound a little harsh, but I don't want to come across as harsh. I just, you know, I just want to keep it real. Mm-hmm. I hear a phrase that although it has truth in it, it is many times used as a cop-out. Hmm. And it's this, my church won't. Hmm. And, and I was listening to a podcast from Greg Rochelle, and he said something, instead of saying my church won't, tell yourself, I haven't led my church to yet. Hmm. Because I, I hear that, well, my church won't have, a, won't have any other music. My church won't do evangelism. My church won't invest money in streaming. My church won't. So it's always somebody else's fault. Like why you're there as a leader, right? So, 
So what do we do as a leader? The first thing, if, if I'm, a, I'm a local church pastor, mm-hmm. I, I like a phrase, which is what is, is. I want to know what is. I, wanna, I don't want to know what used to be. I don't, I'm not really interested at this moment of what's going to be. I want to know what is. Who is giving? Who is attending online? Who is serving? Who is connected? I've had conversations with uh, church members that they didn't have any idea. The pastor didn't have any idea of how many people he can count on because he had not reached out to any of them during the pandemic. Hmm. You know, he just talked to a couple of the leaders who who helped him or her with the streaming. Yeah, but especially in larger congregations where you have three hundred people, four hundred people, eight hundred people a thousand people attending, how many of them have you reached out during the pandemic that you know, you, you, you see the numbers uh, on yeah. YouTube and Facebook, right? You see that we had 5,500 views, 1,000 views, 36 views, or the awesome one, six views. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I want to do as a leader when I come into a church is to say, okay, what is? Okay. Who can we count on? So let me jump in. Let me jump in here with that number one, just so I I like this. And I know you're very one, two, three, four um, when you do this. So so in this number one, a sense with what is, you're basically assessing who is as well, right? Like what is, it's like who is, who who is really invested and let's start with that, right? And I think in this time when we have, Many churches coming back to the building, and I've been hearing this a lot, right, in a sense that many leaders, for different reasons, um, have kind of stepped away, taken a break, whatever it may be. So the the pastor, the local church leadership as well, obviously, has to take an accountability of, okay, let's really sit down and maybe even write down, of course, who really is committed, and let's begin there. That That's what I'm hearing you say, right? Very correct. Correct. Well, like 101, let's just start there. Correct. Okay. Who, 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 who can we count on? Okay. And, 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 we, and once the, as we start saving the reopening, yeah. who can we count on? You know, the bodies in motion tend to stay in motion, right? Right, right. Uh, when you're used to, for a year and a half, not doing much for church, hmm. and you used to do a lot for church, for some, I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to do what I used to do, yeah, where I'm doing several things on Sabbath morning. I'm in different committees during the week. I wear multiple hats. I don't know if I want to do that because this has been different. And even though the pandemic has affected some spiritual walks of some people, it has improved others. Right. People have t- taken time to take inventory of themselves and say, Hey, you know, I'm not, I have, I've had to slow down. I've had to hear from God. I've experienced trauma, right? I've experienced difficulty. I've experienced, I've experienced uncertainty that I didn't have for the last 10 years, 50 years where I was just running the rat race and going from, you know, from work to church to back to work and very, very little time to just stop and reflect. And that's a forgotten trait in spiritual walk. Absolutely. It's, it's the stopping. 
yeah. and saying, well, you know, I did something the other day, which I thought it was odd for me because you tell me that when you run, you don't run with stuff in your ears. Right? I don't. And, and, and by the way, just I'm going to jump right here because Roger calls me the human podcast because every time I'm going to say this publicly, every time we run, I'm always the one talking and Roger's the one listening. Yeah. I, and, I, can't, I, can't, I can't talk. I really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I appreciate that. He, he does respond. He does respond. But go ahead. But yesterday I was running um, and I was putting my, uh, my Pandora. Uh, uh, and, and they would play a song and they will stop. Mm. So I would have to stop my run and restart it. I don't know why, because I always put on my Pandora and I just leave it and I just keep running, mm. Mm. but it wouldn't do it. And it was like a sign for me after it happened three times. It was like, listen. So I just started running and just started praying. There you go. And that was, it was an interesting dynamic because you get to just get lost and talking to God. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say that to say there's, People's spiritual walk, some of them have distanced themselves from God. Some of them have, have gotten closer to God. Yeah. Right? So this number one is, is like you, and you used the word just a minute ago and, and along with, with what is, uh, but it's essentially the local church pastor leader taking inventory of what is currently. So number, number two. That the second thing I'll do, okay, now that I've understood who I count I count on for yeah. moving forward. Mm -hmm. Then I have to, starting with the leadership, with my top 20%, start to ask the important questions. Mm. How do we move forward? And I ask, I ask myself two questions, and I ask my leadership team the following two questions. Okay. And I'm going to filter everything we do. Through those two questions, is what we do and how we do it the best way to reach lost people in this community? Mm. So I, 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 now that I've, I've assessed how, how it is, now I start having the conversations with my leadership team. And we're going to talk, talk about how do we do pathfinders? How do we do adventurers? How do we do youth service? How do we do Sabbath school? How do we do the worship service? How do we do community service? Is what we do women's ministry, men's ministry? Is what we do and how we do it the best way to reach lost people? When you filter every question through there, most people will look and point to, to stuff in the church and they themselves will realize, I don't know is if we need to do that. I don't know if that's the way to reach the best way to reach lost people when we do that. Like, who are we reaching when we're doing that? How are we connecting with people? So the second part, the second portion, is to start with the leadership team and start establishing how do we move forward. I like what you said earlier. It's about okay, how do we move forward from here? What are the what are the things that we need to leave behind? What are the things that we need to improve that were working pretty good? Because not everything was trash. Right, right. There was a lot of stuff that was working good, but there's a lot of stuff that was not. So how do we make the necessary cuts? And that's where the leadership development comes. As a leader, if I'm a local pastor, I try to listen to as many podcasts 
read as many books on leadership. I want to improve my personal leadership because this is going to be going forward, a leadership challenge. Hmm. You have right now in churches, this, this conflict between not enough mass or too many mass, hmm. not enough precautions or too many precautions. Jesus will protect me. Mass will protect me. You're crazy for getting the vaccine. You're crazy for not getting the vaccine. So you're going to have a lot of leadership challenges more than you used to going forward. I want to be the best leader that I can. Hmm. Uh, watching Netflix is cool, right? Listening to, uh, you know, Pandora is nice, but hmm. what is fueling you as a personal leader? What are you doing to yourself? Who are you conversing with? Who is mentoring you? Who are you talking to that can help you navigate those challenges? Maybe you're just reopening right now, but there's people in your conference in your, in your circle of friends, there are people who have been open. There are churches that have been open since July of 2020. Right. Yeah. You know that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Here. yeah. We've had that here in Florida for sure. And they have had a year's worth of experience. I, I want to talk to them. One of the things that, that frustrates me about pastors, not a lot of things frustrate me about pastors, but one of the things that frustrates me about, about pastors is that they want to reinvent everything. Mm. And they want to come up with everything. And if somebody else did it, then they can't do it because they don't want to be copycats. Mm. And it's, it affects sometimes somehow their ego, the fact that they can ask questions or it's going to uh, make me seem in a position of, of less than and I don't know what I'm doing. I want to know as much as I can. So what happened during this year? How many people have you gotten back? What evangelism is working for you right now? What's, what, what has not worked and has not reopened in a year? Don't you think there will be valuable things to understand? I don't know if, you had a, if you've had a podcast with a pastor, but I, um, I would suggest to having a podcast with a pastor who's been open for a year and yep. say, what have you learned this year? This is not two months, Javier. Right, right. This is not a couple of weeks. This has been a year and a month that people have been open. What have we learned, pastor? How can we help other pastors in their journey? Uh, so that would be the second step is working through my leaderships with my leadership team. And that takes time. Yeah. Right. If I had started that in March of 2020, I would be in a much different place right now. Mm. People, people keep putting stuff off. It's like, well, put situations is not right. Uh, then and I can't get everybody to come together. So we wait for everybody to be on board. Train never leaves the station. We're in the same place we were in the end of 2020. Lots of churches, I'm very grateful to them. Lots of churches did a lot of renovations in this year and a half. Right. Yeah. They so beautified it. They, they made it more media friendly. Absolutely. And, and, and so what I'm hearing you say with number one, what is take inventory of who's on board. And then number two, with those that who are on board is now. Uh, the pastor has to really empower or the, the local church leader and leadership, empower one another, empower each other, find ways in which you can be fed to grow uh, as a leadership team, um, engage others that have been doing it for a while. You just, you know, talking about that, those ha that have been open longer or have tried different things and maybe it'll work for them in their local context. And then as you're speaking this and you're thinking forward, 
use the lens, you mentioned this earlier, is it moving the mission of God forward? And if it's not, this is kind of my thing, but I know you've mentioned this before. It's like, it's okay to stop something. Like not everything we start has to end when Jesus comes. Yes. Right? There, it's okay yeah. that, that, you know, certain things should maybe just stop because they're not really fulfilling the mission that God has given us or given a local church context. Is that, is that fair to say kind of in a summary of what you were saying? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so now what's, the, number, what's number three, maybe? The, 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 next, the next three, I'm going to tell you the three names of them. Okay. And then we can go into each one, right? You okay. can have the next questions that you want. One is ministry. One is mission. And one is media. Ministry, mission, media. Okay. okay. So let's start with the easy one which is media. Okay. I, I listened to a podcast the other day with Kerry Newhoff. I love his podcast because it's an hour and a half. Absolutely. Time, yeah. time to run for an hour and a half. But he was interviewing a leader and he said that a future church is 100% virtual and 100% in person. Mm. Why would you not have to sacrifice one for the other? So if I'm a pastor right now, I want to invest in media. Yeah. Most churches are open to investing more in media. Now they've realized, oh, I need new lights. Mm. So do we don't have like the villa of Batman with the half the shade. Yeah. Yeah. We need better sound equipment. Right? We need to change the decor because it looks like if the nineteen fifties were were ever to come back, we would be really ready for it. Because it looks like <laughs> Like this the wood paneling in the back of your, uh, of your platform. So how am I invested in media and who am I developing in church to take over media? Mm. I'll, I'll tell you a story. We, we went to do evangelism in a church where the pastor is not a digital native. He's not. He's not a digital native. He, when I talked to him about, when I said, you know, the YouTube algorithm, I lost him my YouTube algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> when I said, you know, the YouTube algorithm, we need to get people commenting because the YouTube algorithm, when you have a lot of people commenting, they'll put it in front of more people. I lost him my YouTube algorithm. He had no clue what I was talking about. Yeah. I would su suspect about 30% of our pastors are in that group. Mm. Very little knowledge of how stuff with media works. They're not digital natives. They're probably two generations removed. But this is what it did. We, 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 we're doing an online series in his church. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to enlist some people in my church that do know. Amen. And he empowered them. He got the young people, the young people in his church did the, the social media managers every night when they responded to questions, they picked out the winners. Mm -hmm. They uh, set up the the promotion and put the ads on. Uh, they were the ones who do, did all the technical. He released to them. So it doesn't it doesn't mean that you must become a social media or a media expert. That yeah. M is we need to have good media regardless of who does it. So mm -hmm. who in my church is a young person who likes this that I can empower them that I can train them? Who in my church? that's not involved in media, can I recruit? Who in my church, the, who is a donor 
And he said, hey, you know, if you ever need something, you know, let me know. I'll, I'll write you a check. There's, there's people like that in most every churches that you know you can tap. All right. Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to improve our cameras. We're going to have two instead of one. Mm. So I, I want to know some basic stuff about technology. Yeah. Because this is not going away. This is going to get even more media intensive going forward. So unless you're retiring in the next month, I would make a concerted effort to familiarize myself on basic media principles. Mm. So with so it's it's like I say a little bit facetiously, I should say it's like the internet's not going away. So we we must we must heavenly invest is what I'm hearing you say in media now perhaps more than ever before. Uh, back to the Kerry Newoff episode and I've, obviously I listen to him often. He's mentioned it, others have mentioned it. And uh, you mentioned it earlier and the essence that what I'm hearing you say is that churches need to be in both places. They need to invest in the building and locally and media, but also engaging those that will be watching online instead of just being a church in which people get to see what's happening in the building, right? Like a security camera, as you were saying earlier, right? People fundamental, just fundamental distinction there right, that you right. made. From yeah. mental distinction. This one thing, you know, traffic camera versus engagement. Yeah. Engagement. Yeah. And I've seen some churches do really well at that. They've they've been intentional and not necessarily like you said, big churches with a lot of funds. They're just thinking a little bit outside the box and they're just engaging both the people that are watching and those that are in person. Media, hybrid, doing both, um, encouraging people, having a vision to what that looks like empowering generation Z millennials to really engage because this is, this is what they're experts at, right? Or, you know, many of them obviously. Right. So that's what I'm hearing you say with media. Is that fair to say? Are we good there? Yes. And, and what, one more thing, uh, okay. this concept of like, well, I, I don't, we don't want to start a YouTube channel because I don't know how to do it very well. Uh, I don't like to listen to my voice. I, I find, I take offense. I find issue with not that we can't do it, but, but we won't do it. Mm. One thing is to say, well, we can't do it. Uh, like I'm really, you know, my church is 40 members on a good Sabbath. It's hard to find somebody who knows about this versus somebody who said my priorities are elsewhere. I, I, I had a conversation with a pastor. Uh, a little while ago, I said, well, you know, the Bible says that we should gather together. So we should funnel everybody to the building. And and I'm, I'm, I'm about to write an article on it calling that that that's a that's a selfish attitude. Hmm. That is that's a that is a definition of selfishness. Like imagine my my city that I live in is 100,000 people. You mean to tell me that you can only reach the people that can fit in your building that fits 100? What happened to the 99,900 that still need Jesus? How about the person who's taking care of their mom that can't come to church? How about the person who works in a different shift at the hospital? How about the person who's had difficulty with a son or a daughter? How about the person who is themselves ill and can't can't go to church. How about the person who's been hurt by the church? 
who would never be caught dead in a building, but still need spiritual nourishment. Are we just going to say, well, unless you're in the building, you're a second-class Christian. Mm. That, is, that is a very selfish attitude, in my opinion. Mm. Right? So that's why invest money in media, put different lights, give, make it visually appealing. It's not just what you say, but the context that you say it. And the way you do that is by starting. Not way where I don't have all the lights, I don't have all the budget. Okay, get one light. Change yeah. one mic. Right. Eliminate right. one wood paneling. Make, make it a process, but start somewhere. Instead of saying, well, until we have the 40000 needed, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. And then just perpetuate the mediocrity that you've gotten. And God did not call us to, be, to live at the cutting edge of mediocrity. He called us to be world changers. So that's media. Yeah. Well, let, you know, let me jump in here before we get into the into ministry and mission. I think in media, sometimes part of what I've listened to when I'm conversing with other leaders about this, and I think sometimes it's it's not said, but it's implied. Maybe the fear, and and, and I'm not I'm, I'm saying this in a very general way, right? So please, those that are listening, this may not apply to you, uh, but the fear of if I do all this. I have a small church, a small district, maybe a two, three church district, and I may have 20 people listen, right? That tension, like you, you, you want to do with this and you want people to listen if you're going to invest the money, but also at one end, maybe people won't listen. I know a church here in Florida that their church, I'm not going to name it here, but it's a good sized church. They don't get thousands of views for their weekend services by no means whatsoever. But the pastor has been pretty consistent in putting out content, right? Besides the worship gathering on Sabbath, right? He'll put on the, the pastor's, whatever he calls it, of five minutes with the pastor or two minutes, a quick devotional, kind of like what you do. We'll talk about you and your YouTube channel. Very low viewers relatively compared to others if we're going to do that. But yet, here's the story, right? That one person came to the church, I believe, or I know contacted the pastor that was not from the church because they were viewing, they ended up seeing him on YouTube and now they're engaging in conversations and they're learning about the church locally. And so we may say, well, that's that one story, but yeah. to some degree, the, the virtual component, we may do it for that one story because God can do far beyond whatever we think or imagine as long as going back to what you said, that we step forward and just take that first you know, step and just here in the Restore podcast. I mean, when I started this, I was using, I, I started this podcast in the worst possible way. I do not recommend it to anybody ever. And nobody would, would start a podcast in today's world the way I started five years ago, which is basically just opening up GarageBand in some cases and, um, and just pressing record with no mic as I have now or headset or anything of that nature. And I put it out there and... It started with just a few viewers and, and incredibly enough, people continued to listen, even though the audio wasn't um, anything compared to what it is now, but it's, it's to get to your point, to just start, just get yeah. it out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, my main objective is I should not get up or down based on my view. Right. Because I either become prideful or despondent. Mm. 
my my job is to produce quality content in a consistent basis. Right. Right. That's that's my I want to produce quality content in a consistent basis. That's my that's my only role. Yeah. Quality content in a in a consistent basis. I'm going to miss a hundred percent of the shots I don't take. Mm. So I if I'm thinking to myself, well, if I do this and not not a lot of people are watching it, what's the purpose of it? I have never had people have zero views. Yeah. Then you always get some views. Yeah. So are those 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 people that not matter? Why did why does it have to be about your ego mm. versus God's mission? Mm. What does it have to do about how you feel about yourself or your comparison to who else, you know, is Florida Hospital has more views or or you know somebody in Oakwood has more views or somebody in California has more views. You do you. Yeah. So when you produce content, you don't know who's watching it. And the impact is going to have on them and the people that they disciple. Right. So just just do it. Produce quality content on a consistent basis. That's all you gotta do. Awesome. So media. Now we go to ministry and then we'll go to mission. Yeah. Ministry is about okay, how I do how do I disciple people in this age? Mm. I I Social distancing in place. It's hard for me to be in their homes. Uh, they're they're not attending the building. How do I disciple people? Right. So uh, how do I know? Going back to my first question, how to know who's coming, who's attending? Mm-hmm. So I have to have an idea on who is engaged in my church. I I have heard this from pastors. This is a conversation that I have had. With pastors, that when the pandemic started, said they said, "I'm not good at media." Here's the link to, you know, it is written, or Doug Bachelor, or uh, Loma Linda, or the you know as closest church in my conference that was doing it well. Listen to them. Call me if you need anything. Hmm, mercy. I'm, I'm like, mercy. You're 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 their you're their shepherd. Yeah. Right. You're their pastor. So how do I minister to people in this pandemic? I think coming out of the pandemic and even during that, during the pandemic now, I think this is related to mission also. I think that churches that are going to thrive are going to be very intentional in connecting with people's grief. Mm. There's a lot of backed up grief that hasn't been expressed yet Yeah, because we're not out yet. People that have been carrying grief for a year, they're all of a sudden going to find themselves sitting at their bathroom floor, crying their eyes out, and they have no idea why. Mm. Right? Because you, you're carrying this, this convergence of social unrest and, and personal loss and disconnection from people that you love, all this together. And it seems like every time you come up for air, somebody pushes you down in the water again. Oh. You come yeah. up for air, finally, after a year and a half, Delta variant is up there on top of the water going, yep, no, you go back down. Yeah. And you're like, all these things are converging at the, and in the same time period, which we all, you know, you're used to one crisis at a time. This All these crises at a time. So how do I minister to my people first? Mm-hmm. One of the things, I'll give you some examples. Some of the things, that's what the elders are for. Mm-hmm. But, I know of a local church who divided the the roster. 
of the church, the membership book mm -hmm. uh, between the elders and everybody was supposed to call the sec the group of people that they had. Basic question, not, hey, are you coming back or how are you doing? How can we help you? Just two basic questions. Mm. How are you doing? How can we help you? You see how amazing it is that you're not calling them for money. Yeah. You're not calling them to invite them to serve. You're not calling them to tell them, hey, you know, we haven't seen you. What's going on? Are you doing all right? Are you sure you're a Christian? <laughs> how are you doing? How can we help you? Yeah. At my local church pastor where I attend, he puts out a weekly email. At the bottom of the email, there's a link. You can click on the link and set up a virtual appointment with him. Mm, I like that. That's a simple thing to do. But it tells the people, listen, I see you. Here's a weekly communication from, you know, some churches have text messages that they send or WhatsApp groups or, or email blasts. How do we minister to people in this pandemic? So the, the way you minister to your people, because your people are going to be the ones who are going to minister to others, is by knowing what their needs are. What's going on? What grief have we had? I know of a church in New York that they lost 35 people to COVID. Mercy. Mm. It's, a, it's a pretty, you know, they didn't have like 40 and lost 35. They had hundreds of people, but they lost 35 members to COVID. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Terrible. The collective grief is something we're not, we haven't dealt with. So what, what books on grief can you read right now? Mm. I've been reading a lot of Thompson and how to keep limits and, mm -hmm. uh, and a fuel relationship fuel. It's a great book. What books can I read right now? So as we start coming out of this, I, myself, I am saying it in a good place myself because I lost my uncle. There's grief. Every time I go to Miami, I expect to see him, but I don't. Mm. I mean, I still can't believe it that he's gone. Yeah, yeah. It's like you wake up, so my cousin, I still can't believe because you have all these other things. So you haven't been able to properly grieve. Have you grieved the people in your church you're never going to see again? Have you, pre have you grieved, have you, have you ever been able to grieve the lifestyle and the church lifestyle that you had before this pandemic where you used to look out and you used to see a packed congregation? And now you meet for a year and you only get 60, 70%. Right. Like, man, what happened? What's going on here? What's, what, what happened? Have you, have you given yourself permission to you yourself grieve hmm. and taught your members how to grieve? So sermon series on grief, opportunities when local counselors, I would partner with local counselors so we can have grief that we can pay them and the people from the church can connect with them. Books on griefs. Wednesday night prayer meetings on grief, conversation with our with my membership team on grief, and calling every single one of my members and saying, "Hey, how you doing? How can we help you?" It will go a long way to solidify in their minds that you see them, and when people feel seen, yeah. they feel real. So that's that's really powerful. Which it seems simple, but not simplistic, right? In other words, what I'm hearing you say is proper and even over communicate with your local congregation, everybody, those that you haven't heard of and those that you have heard of and seen more, but also just the power 
of a phone call. I know a year and a half ago when the lockdown happened, the major lockdown, and many churches here in Florida, and again, I'm going to generalize here, but many just began calling up their church members, the ones that they hadn't seen in a long time, the ones they had seen. And we heard several stories of people in different churches that had honestly not received a phone call from uh, yeah. their local church leaders in some time. Yeah. And uh, now, well, everybody was home at the time. So they just went down the the membership list and just started calling people and so on. And so it's, it's, it, it, those are one of the things I yes. would say yeah. that we need to continue on now and, and not just in uh, church life, but in all life. Right. I mean, yesterday I got a call from somebody who I hadn't spoken to in a long time and we just caught up and it was wonderful. And it was great to hear from that individual. What you're saying, it's a constant reminder to me to do the same, right? I mean, I need to live that out and to just touch base with people. We talk about all this technology. Well, I need to remember that my phone works very well just to call people as well yeah. and just text somebody. So that, that's what I'm hearing you say, stay in touch. Ministry is staying in touch and then helping them grieve in any which way possible. Mental health, right? That's what we're basically talking about. Correct. Who can we partner with in the community? Right. What kind of resources can we let them know? What kind of work, what kind of message series? I would not, I would caution pastors not to move away from the grief too soon. Hmm. Say, yeah, 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 we're back. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. Because when, when grief that is unprocessed hmm. is toxic. Yeah. It's going to take a while though people are like, I need to get this stuff out of my system. I've never been able to talk to somebody because I've been in, in my family. I'm the rock. People look to me and I've been carrying this weight and this load for a year and a half, pastor. I need somebody to talk to. And so who, who does that person talk to? Right. Who does that person go to? I, I, I would not just like, okay, we're back. It's open. And, and let's just talk about. Um, you know, whatever series on, 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 you know, the book of Philippians or, or the, the book of Luke, Let, let's just not get away from or move past the grief too quickly. And it's just a, a shameless plug. You know, I, I've written a book called Ramp. If you're a member of the Southern Union, you're a pastor in the Southern Union, it's free for you. Okay. And if you are not, you're, listening to this in other places, you can get it at Advent Source. But it's it's a very simple resource that people can use to reconnect people back to church life. Nobody's missing, right? Missing members. Nobody's missing. Hmm. People are somewhere. You can find them. But yeah. how do you reconnect? What ramps, what on-ramps can you use to get back into the gospel highway? So that, that's a free resource that you can use. We'll put a link on that. Yeah, yeah. With, with your... Uh, with your board and say, okay, let, let's, let's go through a four part series on ramp and, and how do we do this? And who do we, where are they? Why they leave? Um, who, who we haven't heard from in a while. They used to be very involved and start the ministry aspect, the shepherding. Yeah. So you have the leading and now you have the shepherding, mm. right? It's not one versus the other. No, you're a shepherd. No, no, you're a leader. You're a CEO. You, 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 you both. Yeah, absolutely. So ministry, mission, anything else within those two? I know those kind of are overlapping, as you mentioned, but anything else in the sense of ministry and mission? Uh, 
once again, progress over perfection. Well, I cannot get to my 300 members, so I'm not going to call any members. Mm. Call one. Yeah. One is better than zero. Right? Reach out to one. Connect with one. Send one a message. Send one a text. If you do that enough, if you have started doing that in the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? You did one person a day. One, just one text a day, just one phone call a day. How many people would you have reached by, by now? Mm. Right. Persistency and consistency, right? Is what I'm, uh, is what I'm hearing you say. Persistent uh, and consistent. That's really the essence of, of everything. So Roger, thank you. We have a lot there to chew on. And this all came from one question, right? If you were the pastor of a local church, but as you said, all of this would be something that would take time. It, yep. it's, it's not going to happen in one day, obviously, or one week or one month or just a couple of months. And it's not just going to happen over time. But as I just mentioned a minute ago, it, it's something that you're uh, talking about that should be consistent and persistent and consistently evaluated on how things can improve and move forward. It's all about forward motion uh, and all for the glory of God, because that's that's what we do, what we do. So, Roger, before I let you go, um, your YouTube channel. So tell us a little bit about about that. You mentioned it earlier just a little bit. And I know when when you started, you you had a you started and you had a couple hundred subscribers now you're up to i i think what is it over four or five thousand subscribers it's like six, sixty five hundred sixty five hundred but who's counting right i mean yeah who's counting <laughs> <laughs> and so i've seen several of those as well again i affirm the fact that you have been consistent now let's put it on the table some would say well roger you have somebody that helps you you know to edit and to do this and to do that how, how would you encourage others if they want to or their churches, right? Because I think there's a difference. There's a difference between having a YouTube channel for your church that uh, the pastor, the leader is part of. And then there's what you have, which is a YouTube channel that you move forward and your wife, and it's Mm -hmm. part of your ministry now, as you started in this last year. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that difference. And then of course, your channel and the experiences and how you've seen mission move forward. Uh, but with what you do on your channel. All right. Yeah. That's the third M. You know, you have the media, the ministry, and then the mission. The mission for me, since we do, couldn't do something in person, we started doing stuff online. Mm-hmm. And we found several things. I've, if somebody wants to go to my YouTube channel, there's stuff in English and Spanish. Right. Probably 70% in Spanish, 30% English. Uh, but there's stuff for pastors there, only for pastors, for leadership. And what we noticed is uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna become Sage Roger for a moment, mm-hmm. um, and I just coming up with with a saying that probably somebody said it better than me, but I'll I'll say it this way: Start walking, and the road will appear. Mm. Right? I don't know how to edit videos, and nobody in my office edits my videos. Except for my evangelistic series. That's the only thing they edited. Everything else, I either learn how to do it myself or have had people jump out and say, hey, I noticed you need some editing. Can I help you? <laughs> they never said this to me before I had a channel. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Nobody ever said to me, 
if you eventually, I just want to let you know, Roger, if you eventually start a YouTube channel, reach out to me and I'll help you edit in the videos. Mm. That's not how stuff works, bro. Yeah. <laughs> the way you, the road appears when you start walking. I started doing it and somebody reached out and said, hey, I'm trying to get better at my editing skills. Do you want to collaborate? I started doing things with other people and I saw that people are online and I've been able to have a direct link from my YouTube channel to people coming to faith in Christ mm. or coming back to church, a direct channel. And the secret in the mission part of it is if you're going to be online, interact. This is what I've included in all my evangelistic series now. I used to have music and the message. Mm -hmm. Now I have music and the message and interaction. At the end of my sermon now, in my evangelistic series, I dedicate 15 minutes to answer questions from the audience, both in person and online. It's, it's not a one way. This is over. You can't see me because you're listening to this, uh, everybody. But I'm having, I'm waving my hands forward. Yes. <laughs> I'm waving my hands forward. The one-way communication is over. Mm. People want interaction. I used to be able to watch Friends on Thursday nights once a week. Now you can stream all the Friends you want. They drop a series that you can watch all the episodes. I just watched Cocaine Cowboys mm. on Netflix, which blew my mind yeah. at the fact that how, how this cue was getting off. <laughs> right? That's an, they that's an amazing they documentary. They, yes, yeah, a documentary on Netflix. They don't release them one episode a month. They, you, can, you can interact. You can choose what you want. Right? There's a lot of social media. It's like, you can access the people that you've admired and they might retweet you. They might reply to something that you said. But this media and ministry and mission go together. Mission is about finding where people are and sharing the gospel with them. So where are people? They're online. How do I do it? I start trying different things in my community. I have paid advertising. And I have conversation with them. And you produce content. That's the only way people can find you. Yeah. Even if it's not perfect, but you are perfecting it, it's going to work. So that's the mission. I I see, here's one last, one last thing I'll say about this, this YouTube stuff. Mm -hmm. By the way, Pastor Roger Hernandez is in my YouTube channel. If you want to check it out and subscribe. We'll have it on the list. I appreciate it. But here, here's here's something that I see uh, online that's this huge mistake, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to talk about stuff that I care about mm. versus I'm going to talk about stuff that people care about. And how do you know what people care about? You talk to people. Mm. There are countless websites that will tell you what people are interested in. Yeah. Right? Versus like, I think I like this. I'm going to talk to people about it. Well, you know, if your tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, did it really fall? <laughs> mm. it, it, maybe the reason you're only getting three or four views is because you're talking about stuff nobody is interested in. Mm. Right? Only you. 
So I have to ask myself, what are people interested in? This episode, for example, that we're talking, these, yeah. these are stuff that pastors are going through right now. Everybody's reopening. Everybody's going through this process. So the level of interest is going to be like, right? If you had just an, if you had just an episode on running, you have some runners right. that will be, right? Attracted to that. But like, yeah, I mean, listen to this. Pastors who run, that's fantastic. You would you do decide, okay, who am I trying to reach? Am I trying to reach everybody? Just the people in my community. So what do they need? What are their fears? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? Let me speak to that. And you will, if you speak to pain, you will always have an audience. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I appreciate what everything you're saying. It's just, it's a challenge and an encouragement as well, I think, um, for everybody that will be listening to go in and, and see how God is leading them in this endeavor of having social media presence. Particularly, I would say for sure, every church should have a, a well strategic online social media endeavor. It's something that I've been speaking to a lot of pastors about. I, on a personal basis, I understand if maybe some pastors or many pastors don't necessarily want their own YouTube channel. I don't believe maybe you and I will disagree here. I don't necessarily believe that every pastor has to have their own YouTube channel by no means whatsoever. I do believe the the local church yeah. should have a percent, you know, YouTube I agree. channel. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. Now, if now you as a pastor, you you can decide whether to have one or not, depending on your preferences. Right. But this is not an optional thing for churches anymore. Right, right, right. And of course, the pastor, I believe, should be part of that. But many churches have people who are great on camera or whatever it may be, but curate something that is going to, like you said, speak to the context and to the people. And as, as I've learned here on the podcast, and you just mentioned it, no matter the topic, if you try to reach everybody, you're probably not going to reach anybody or very few. So I would say, Put out the content that the Lord is leading you and the topics, the conversations, and let God touch the hearts of people. Do the best you can. Uh, and then here's the key that I have learned. And I think you've mentioned it as well. And clearly, I've seen it on your YouTube channel. And e even here with this small podcast is to be consistent. That's what I've learned. You, you, you need to be consistent because the audience wants to hear from you. People want to hear what you have to say. So if you just put something out, once a week only, like only your worship church. Well, that's great, right? Most are doing that. But maybe think about putting something else. Justin Koo talks about breaking up the sermon in, in several parts and uh, posting a two-minute clip of your sermon and Excellent. things of that nature over the week on social media posts. I love what you said. You didn't have somebody come to you until you stepped out and began to really want to do the media part. And then people just started to climb on board or uh, doors were open for you as you stepped out. So is, is that fair to say what I was just saying? Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's you're not going to get the support, the funding, the resources until you start doing something. Yeah. Action attracts interaction, right? Where when you, when you decide, yeah, this is the route that I'm taking and I'm in it for the long haul, mm -hmm. then all these things magically, miraculously start appearing. All of a sudden, you have somebody in your church said, hey, you know, I've been meaning to give some money to church and I didn't know what to give it. But now that I see that you, you guys still need some new cameras, I'm going to donate it to that. 
but you never would have gotten that if you didn't decide to do something in media. Yeah. Roger, I really appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time to come back on this podcast. And you've always been there when I've called, when I've asked for any advice myself. And I appreciate you personally. I'm going to say it publicly. We're not just colleagues, we're friends. So thank you. And I know you're going to be in town coming up. So hopefully we'll be able to go run. Um, maybe this time I'm going to have you speak and I'm going to listen. I'm going to be, I'm going to be your mentor, Roger. I'm going to talk in the beginning. And then when we're done, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for what you do for the pastors, not only here in the Southern Union and beyond. I know that many, many people have been blessed by your ministry and will continue to be blessed by your ministry. I want to give you the last word overall. So any last thoughts before we let you go? One of my favorite phrases is start before you're ready. Mm. Start before you're ready. Can't be perfect, but do something. And please... Take care of your own self. It's hard to give something when you have not had just as you don't want to gloss over grief in your congregation's life. Don't gloss over grief in yours. Mm. Uh, take care of yourself. Go to counseling if it's necessary. Take care of your own mental health so you can bless people from a position of strength and not constant weakness. Roger, thank you so much. Blessings to you and your family and your ministry. Thank you. Well, I hope and pray that you were blessed and challenged with everything you heard from my conversation with Roger. And Roger, thanks for opening up your heart to us and always actively helping pastors and churches fulfill the mission of God. Also, I hope you were blessed by the Restore Podcast's first musical spotlight with Richard Hickam. Make sure to check out the music of Lifelong Worship through the show note links or, of course, Apple Music and Spotify. Thanks for listening and sharing the podcast. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this Restore Podcast. We hope you've been blessed. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any of our inspiring episodes.